This is Fine Rambles, number 55. So after spending a couple weeks back home, I am back on the motherfucking road again, going places that I've never been. And uh, it feels it feels pretty good, <laughs> although <laughs> there's something about going back on the road that reminds me sort of in a forced way that I have to be humble. <laughs> whenever, whenever I stay somewhere for a while, you know, you start to get into a routine and, you know, routines become pretty easy. You, you do the same sort of thing every day and you get, you get good at it, or at least it becomes, <laughs> it starts becoming predictable. You're like, okay, I kind of, I kind of got this under control. I feel, I feel capable, you know, I feel like I can handle shit. And <laughs> of course, of course, of course, like, uh, like the arrogant schmuck I am, that makes me think that it's time that I start telling other people how to live their lives. <laughs> ruh -roh. And of course, just hitting the road creates all sorts of unexpected drama and things that I didn't expect and that, you know, things you don't plan for. I feel in a weird way sort of like Shackleton. So Shackleton was this Antarctic, Antarctic? Antarctic explorer. And he was exploring during this like golden age of exploration in, in I think like the mid to late 19th century. Don't, uh, don't quote me on that. But it was amazing because they, they, they wouldn't prepare properly. They, they didn't research what supplies were needed or what was the best way to transport those supplies or like what animals would actually survive in the Antarctic. And so they would take things like horses, apparently, and everything would die and then everything would sort of go to shit. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like Shackleton because, well, okay, so, so here... <laughs> Here's the example. So before I leave, my mom's like, you know, I've heard there's some bad weather in the mid-Atlantic. Maybe you should check the weather. <laughs> Shockingly provocative advice, I know. And of course, of course, my reaction is, fuck you, mom. <laughs> right? Like basically reverting to being a 16-year-old, you know, after... After what, 22 years of living on my own? I'm like, you know, I got this, man. Like, leave me alone. I can take care of myself. God, I'm fine. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and, you know, looking back on my own behavior, I often wonder, like, am I the only asshole? Are there other people out there who... who act as cavalierly and as, I don't think arrogance necessarily the right word. It's more just contrariness. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to take obnoxious to 11 just because I don't want you to try to help me. What's crazy to think about is that was the takeaway from that podcast with, uh, Oh God, I'm going to forget her name. Celeste something. Celeste Headley? <laughs> she was showing how of the two conversations that piss us off, that are physically painful, one of them is when someone, <laughs> someone tries to help us. 
No, not that. Please don't try to help me. That's beyond the pale. So in this case, in this case, in this case, I didn't check the weather and I get outside Indianapolis. I'm driving from Milwaukee to, to, uh, to Washington, D.C. And it starts to rain. And of course, I'm like, oh, you know, OK, great. It's raining. Not a big deal. I'll turn the radio up a little bit. I'll put my seat back a little bit and I'll turn the windshield wipers up a notch. And problem solved. And then it starts to rain a little harder and then a little harder. And pretty soon it's like driving through. Uh, it's like driving through a, uh, a fucking car wash. <laughs> I've never seen rain like this. You couldn't, I couldn't see trucks that were 50 feet in front of me. What does the sane, rational, logical, normal human being do in this situation? Yeah, they, they pull the fuck off and they go somewhere and they wait it out. But of course, you know, in the real world where actions have consequences, for some reason, and I don't understand why, I decide to become Mr. Machismo. And I am going to confront the forces of nature and win. Like the rain is a personal, is, is like personally trying to antagonize me. It's so ridiculous. So anyways, I try to back up off these trucks because, you know, the water they're spraying off their wheels just splatters all over your windshield. And I can't see anything to begin with. All right. I can't see that truck 50 feet ahead. So I pull back. And this would happen over and over again. Another goddamn truck would drive up next to me and then it would splatter my windshield. My choice was always, do I try to pass this truck, right? And knowing that, my God, you know, those trucks are hard enough to drive in good weather. But I was having trouble keeping my car from basically sliding off the road. And here's this like 40 foot behemoth next to me. Do I really trust the driver? no matter how good he is, to stay in his lane around a curve going 60 miles an hour while I try to pass? Or do I back up and wait for the next truck to come by and blather me? Yeah, <laughs> there's no escape. So I'm basically existing in this like gray bubble, like 20 yards wide. I can barely see the line on the road. I can barely see. And this is beautiful country. Like there are these beautiful rolling hills and fields and forest. And I can barely see them through the rain. And I'm just sitting there mile after fucking mile. And I'm going, why didn't I check the weather? And the answer is right there in front of me. The only person I can blame is the person who's responsible. Me. Like, it's my fault. I'm the asshole. I'm the asshole. And the whole time I can just hear the lords of karma laughing their asses off. So, <laughs> so the rainstorm ends. I pull into Pittsburgh. I'm like white and kind of trembling. By the way, Pittsburgh. Jesus. I have never been. I've never been to Pittsburgh. And, you know, I'm on the road. I'm going places that I've never been. I'm seeing things I may never see again. <laughs> but Pittsburgh's a really cool city. 
and like it's got all these bridges and it's got all these different tunnels and it's got the river winding right through the middle of the town and all these different neighborhoods and like oh my god these crazy hills like I knew Pittsburgh had hills but I didn't realize they were at like San Francisco level of crazy and so I pull in and I'm thanking God <laughs> I'm thanking God the rain is over and of course the next morning <laughs> I pull out onto the road again and wham <laughs> it starts again most of the way to DC. I had dinner with a friend of mine last night who's actually, actually, he's actually in the home building business. And so I was talking to him about, you know, the bathroom my mom's having redone. And he's like, he goes into all this like amazing detail, like this amazing detail of what it's like to build a house. And I was taking some notes and, you know, this is probably like the most boring 30 seconds of your entire life about to happen. But I find this stuff just amazing. Well, you have to do the infill of the lot. Then you got the plumber to come cap off sewer and water. You got a demo crew that knocks and hauls stuff away. You got the concrete guy for the foundation and the excavation and the footer and the waterproofing. And then you got the framer and then siding, roofing, mechanical, plumber, electrician, insulation to spray and air seal. Drywall, plaster, piling up, painter, primer, trimming doors by the carpenter, sounds like a band, tile guy, gutters, then you have to finish painting, do the flooring, do the cabinets, the vanities, the counters, the sinks, the granite guy comes in, the plumber guy comes in to finish the fixtures, finish the fixtures, sink, water heater, appliances, electrician comes in again, does the lights, the plate covers, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> Then they have a bulldozer come in, final grading, driveways, walkways, landscaping, put up the gutters. And he was saying a lot of the same things that I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, that, you know, these are amazing jobs. You make a lot of money. They get better over time. You sort of own an area and it's very complex work that has a lot of risk attached to it, which means that people don't shop on price. They're like, does this guy have a good rep? Does he do a good job? Does he stand by his work? Does he have insurance? Does he have liability protection? It was very interesting to hear and learn more about the trades and just how complex an industry or how complex those 25 industries really are. The other thing, so I'm in D.C. and it's, you know, it's Memorial Day, so there's cops like every single block directing traffic, blocking traffic. And I get down to, I think it's called Constitution Avenue. It's right near the, the reflecting pool, I think, near the Washington Monument. There must have been 5,000 Harley-Davidson riders gunning their engines, waiting for the cops to let them go with this police escort. Later, by the Vietnam Memorial, I saw, again, just tens of thousands of these Harley-Davidsons, and they're all being driven by vets. At the time, I had no idea what this was, and so I went home and I looked it up, and it's something, it's something called Rolling Thunder, and I think now it's in its 32nd year, hundreds of thousands of vets assemble or rally in the Capitol on Memorial Day weekend, and it started as sort of an advocacy thing where they're like, you know, bring, 
bring the missing in actions home. We want better treatment. And and the article I read said that this is the last year, that they're probably not going to do it again because the Pentagon is starting to charge them so much money to host the event. You know, this really threw me for a loop because, all right, let me confess something. I don't like Harley Davidsons. I think they're these loud, obnoxious machines that are basically designed to be obnoxious. I mean, and the riders, the riders seem to enjoy being obnoxious and creating all this goddamn noise pollution. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times in my apartment building I was awoken at two in the morning by some asshole throttling his Harley. You know, and blazing by my goddamn building at 40 miles an hour. And, you know, he knew, he knew he was waking up thousands of people. And I just don't think they gave a shit. They just didn't care. They were obnoxious. And so I don't like Harleys. But there was something, there's something about not, there's something about charging veterans a lot of money to come gather in the nation's capital. On a weekend when, you know, all the all the cool kids are already out of town. You know, all the, all the rich guys, they're all, they're all at their country estates. They're all, they're all down by the water. And these guys, I mean, just think about this for a second, right? I mean, basically on the weekend that they indict Julian Assange under the fucking Espionage Act for publishing war crimes of the American empire. And I know, like, I don't, I don't like getting political, but that's what they did, and that's what he did. And there's no one who has died because of what he has published. If anyone has a counterexample, please tell me. I want to know. But on the same weekend, they nail a member of the press to a fucking cross, even though he's been living in purgatory now for how many years? Six? Seven? They're telling veterans who they sent off to these fucking wars. And, you know, the veterans were wearing these jackets that had badges for the places they had been sent by the Department of Defense to go kill people and to be killed. And if you don't think this is an empire, this list is so long. I saw badges for Granada and Panama and Libya and Iraq, and Syria, and Afghanistan, and Vietnam, and Korea. And these men are obviously very proud of the places they've served and the people they've served with. And they come back, and we treat them like complete garbage. Just complete garbage. I mean, if you want to read horror stories, go read about the VA. Go read about the conditions at Walter Reed. Go read about the 100% incidence of PTSD and how, and how we don't treat servicemen and women who have come back from abroad in anything close to a civilized society way. Look at the number of suicides. The number of suicides dwarfs the number of KIA. And we've taken this enormous population, vulnerable, who served their country, even if it's in a way that I don't think is appropriate, 
They, they were made to do it. And they come back and we treat them like shit. And then we say they can't even ride their Harleys. <laughs> they can't even ride their Harleys into the Capitol because the Pentagon wants a couple hundred thousand dollars for porta potties. Get the fuck out of here. Like, like, what the hell is going on? I don't know. Maybe I have the facts wrong. Maybe I just am looking at it from the wrong point of view. But when I heard that they're shutting down Rolling Thunder because the Pentagon wants more money from veterans, I don't know. That, that, really, really, that really rubbed me the wrong way. All right, I think that's enough rambling for one week. I will catch you later.